Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up later, a lot of people, and I hear it every single day, are completely intimidated by the concept of investing. I want to give you some ideas where you, even if you know nothing about investing, can get started with a simple thing, one fund, or maybe two, maybe three, it'll be a little more complicated, and build a portfolio for yourself and get it going. Right now, I want to talk about something that is a little freaky to people, and that's the idea of lab-grown meat that is so going to be part of our future. You may have seen things about lab-grown meat that costs doing it like quarter million dollars for a pound, but that's just the early phases. It's gotten a lot cheaper, and it's on the way. You know, producing beef that so many of us, like I'm a beefetarian, so many of us, you know, there's a lot involved in getting that beef to the table for us, a lot of land taken up, uh, a lot of cost in transport, the cows, a huge amount of work for the ranchers or farmers, and being able to lab grow real meat is not sci-fi, it's really coming. Best guess is that in a couple of years, you're going to start seeing this show up in restaurants extra cost then but pretty quickly getting to parity and ultimately cheaper than the traditional way of having a cow out in a field and then there's all this stuff going on with veggie burgers with everybody's holy grail because it's healthier for you to eat trying to come up with ones that truly simulate the taste of real beef. Producer Kim is absolutely convinced that it's already happened. And it's impossible, isn't it? <laughs> it's the impossible burger. And actually, it doesn't fit the MO of the Holy Grail because it is a vegetarian burger that, in my opinion, tastes like meat and is phenomenally delicious but it is not that healthy. It has the same saturated fat content as beef. It's really high in calories. There's so many other veggie burgers out there that are much healthier for you, but this is the one. But it has no delicious. red meat. No, it has no red right. meat. Right, and so that's the thing. You, you're you dissing something you love, but the fact is for many people, the doctor's recommendation is that you reduce the amount of red meat you're eating. True, but maybe because of the saturated fat in red meat. So I I just think that when people talk about the Impossible Burger, they will immediately get on you if you don't look at the nutrition label on that because it is surprisingly Oh, I spend high. so much of my life looking at nutrition <laughs> labels. How much does it cost at restaurant price when you sit down and eat one? Way too much. There's so much that's wrong about this burger that it shouldn't fit into our life, including the nutrition on it, the cost on it. It's usually like a $3 upcharge from whatever their normal burger price is. But 
oh my gosh, my partner Sean and I crave it. That's like our big meal out now every other week is to go find Impossible Burgers. We're obsessed. Well, then I need to invite myself to go with the two of you. Absolutely. And try the Impossible Burger. And see, the key thing, Kim, what you're missing here is that if you want to psych yourself out and believe you're really eating healthy then you eat that even if it still has all the things you say yeah i've cut back on my red meat it's like it's like the people who go to a salad bar and end up with a 1600 calorie salad right right but man it is delicious and at our favorite local restaurant that also happens to serve it um We've been at a table of many people before who have gotten their regular amazing burger and some who have gotten the impossible instead. And many people think the impossible is better than a real burger. Like, it's good. Well, as a burgeritarian, I will be the judge <laughs> of that. We'll fair, see. Fair enough. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David. Hi, Clark. Hey, great to be on your show. Well, great to have you here. <laughs> I had a question today about um, long-term care insurance. Um, I guess my wife and I uh, took your advice over the years and have done well with savings and investing, and now we're looking to get a little bit older and how to uh, protect that and just getting into looking into uh, long-term care insurance and see what advice you might have. I'll tell you, it's changed so much. There was, for many years, I had a long-term care insurance buying guide. And I had six steps that you would follow to compare companies and get the best quote and all that. But the market for long-term care insurance has uh, mostly disintegrated. And we've gone from where there were perhaps uh, over a thousand companies selling long-term care to almost all of it being sold is now being sold by less than 10. Wow. And so it's a much less competitive market than it was before. And also one that people have found out through uh, experience of owning policies, the premiums are not guaranteed. So you could start off at a premium level, David, and then uh, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, could even be, as I had a caller recently, 20 years down the road, your premiums go up. So it is kind of a messy purchase. Okay. Um, Tell me some about your age and your health. Okay, um, I'm 48 and my wife is 50, so... Don't buy it now. Don't buy it now. (laughs) Don't buy it now. Because in the the best of times, I used to recommend buying it from your late 50s to early 60s. -hmm. And the market, because the market is not truly a functioning market right now, I would recommend that you hold off for another decade. Okay. And since there is a potential for insurers to make money in a marketplace. They just have to price it right. I think given enough years between now and when it becomes a more critical time for you and your wife to buy it, that there will be uh, products that would make sense to purchase. Today, not so much. If you had told me you were, um, let's say, 60 years old, and we were talking about the alternatives, what you should buy, there's there's a limited number of options I might recommend, but because you have the advantage of time on your side, I would give it a decade. Okay, okay. 
We we did. Uh, we were introduced to a product that has both a uh, long-term care insurance and a life insurance combined. Is is that a smart move? I mean, once we uh, go, I would say go. that today that may be the least bad option, mm-hmm. but I would definitely not put it in the smart move category. Okay. So, and especially because you're so, I know you may not feel young. But in the world of insurance and the type of insurance we're talking about, you are very young. And one, one last question. What would be the latest you would want to purchase uh, this kind of insurance? I would say somewhere around 63, 64 years old. Very good. So you've got, I uh, think how much time you got. That's great. <laughs> you got time to worry about a lot of other things than that. In fact, the top priority, I would say, you said you're 48 and 50, right? Correct. The top priority, I would say, today is for you to be stashing as much cash as you can in Roth IRAs, Mm -hmm. and you're allowed, the 50-year-old's allowed to put 6,500 in, 48-year allowed to put 5,500 in, that that's where the priority should be, is putting that 12 grand aside each year would come way before worrying about the life insurance. Okay. Yep. And we've taken your advice and are are doing that. I'm thankful for that. That's great. And do you have term life insurance in case one of you were to die prematurely? Yes, we do. Yep. Then you're doing everything you should be doing. Tim is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Tim. Hi, how are you? Great. Thank you, Tim. You are using Wells Fargo for investing. Is that right? That is correct. And you're a little nervous right now, aren't you? Well, I had a 401k with a previous company, and when I left, they, you know, they suggested I remove it and put it in my own private investment firm. And I had some accounts at, at a large bank, and I then moved it over to there. And it's about when I first opened up the account, the the, com- the original company put money in, and it was about eighty six thousand that was in there. And then when I moved it, the, the economy fell. And then when I moved it, it, it was somewhere in the range of around 68000 And it's You got the six the, and the eight backwards then. Yeah, it kind of went backwards pretty yeah. fast. Uh, <laughs> and then what, what ended up happening was in the last probably seven years, the company that I have it with, they charge $1,200 a year in fees. Well, I already said it's Wells Fargo, so you don't have to say the company. Okay. Um, I, what it is, is it, I'm paying $1,200 of fees a year, and I make about $800 by the time I'm done, but it's supposed to be a managed account, but I haven't heard from anybody in six years. Yeah, I, I, you know, forgetting, forgetting the scandals at Wells Fargo, it's like how much rot, cultural rot, and ethical and moral and legal issues are there at Wells Fargo and all its elements, but you are with an ultra-high-cost provider – for that money, for that IRA, and I would ditch them and go to a low-cost provider. Well, and that's why I'm calling is, what would you recommend? It's a re, it's in a retirement brokerage account statement, and like I said, you make about 2000 a year, they take 12 Yeah, so that's not working for you. for you at all. No, it's not so working for do me you, at all. So do you want to make your own investment decisions, or you want somebody to do that for you? You know what? I would prefer to have somebody do, do it for me. Um, so I'm going to give you a few options. I'm going to give you okay. a few options, all right? Uh, one option is you can go to a fee-only financial planner, and he or she okay. will typically charge you 1% of the amount of money they manage. 
and they'll okay. make the investment decisions for you. Okay. And there's an organization called NAPFA, N-A-P-F-A, National Association okay. of Personal Financial Advisors, dot org, okay. where you can find people near you. You want to uh, talk to five by phone, interview three in person that you like out of the five, and that would okay. be a path to take. Another one is you could go with one of my low-cost favorites, go with Schwab, go with T. Rowe Price, Fidelity, Vanguard, any of those, and they all offer, well, I don't know if T. Rowe Price does, but Fidelity, Schwab, and Vanguard all offer programs where they will uh, help you with the investment choices Okay. and will do it at a tiny fraction of what you're paying Wells Fargo. Okay, and what about Betterment? Have you ever heard of Betterment? Betterment's great, too. Okay. Uh, Betterment, you know, they use an artificial intelligence model to figure out the best allocation for you. And Betterment okay. and its uh, arch rival Wealthfront both are alternatives for you to look at for handling your IRA. Okay, perfect. Well, but the one place you right don't want to be is with a full commission stockbroker's house. Right. Because they don't call them full commission for nothing. They charge massive fees, as you've seen, with your account going backwards year after year. David is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Wonderful, thank you. You have a very generous relative. What's going on? Um, yeah, I've got a grandfather who over the years, uh, kind of as a Christmas gift, has contributed to my 529 plan, um, and now I'm at the point... I'm a junior in college, and uh, but I'm also a full scholarship athlete at my university, so I really? needed to use. What yeah. sport do you do, David? I play football. Wow. So do you know what talent I have that I could do on any athletic field? Uh, no, I don't. That's right, because there isn't any. <laughs> so I'm impressed that you're good enough that you could get a, a full-ride athletic scholarship. That's wonderful to hear. Thank you. So um, when there's a scholarship, you're telling me that none of the 529 money you've had to use because you're on a full free ride? Yes, sir. Okay. So your granddad has some choices. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. First, I should ask, what are the odds that you're going to go to graduate school at some point after finishing undergraduate? Um, There's still a chance. Um, I'd say it's probably less likely but there's still a chance i would pursue graduate school the reason that's my question is that then it's it's easy the account just sits there and then when you would enroll in graduate school if you did then you're going to need to pull on the 529 money and then it would be available to you tax-free because you're a scholarship athlete there's a special provision in the 529 rules that your granddad can withdraw the money, pay no 10% penalty, but he would have to pay tax on all the earnings the 529s had. Okay. And it could be his money, It could because uh, actually the owner of the 529 account pulls it out. It, it It's their discretion what to do with the money, which comes to the next point. Are there any other grandkids who have yet to attend college? Um, Yeah, I have uh, three more younger siblings. So the best move 
by your grandfather is to change the beneficiary designation to one of your younger siblings. Okay. It, it maintains the tax-free status, and then the money can be used for your siblings' college, and you get the full benefits of the earnings that have occurred over the years being spent tax-free on school. Okay. And so that would be, in a case where you think grad school is not a big priority, not likely, moving the money to a younger sibling is the best. Okay, great. And congratulations on getting that full free ride. Thank you very much. All right. Continued success to you, David. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you keeping more of what you make. Okay, so let's say you're of a mind to do that. And you know that part of what you should be doing is saving for your future, investing. But the industry conspires against you by making it seem that you are 100% incapable of getting started doing your own investing and that you must hire somebody. There's no way you could do it yourself. And they'll throw a lot of lingo at you and give you all the reasons why they're geniuses and you need to be a little puppy dog that you do whatever you're told by them. And if you do it, they'll give you a biscuit, right? No. Investing does not have to be complicated when you're starting out. I call it a success tax that if you accumulate a lot of money, you make a lot of money over the years, then you need professional help, but not even necessarily with picking the investments, but with your overall financial picture, your goals and all that. But if you're at ground zero and you're trying to figure out what to do, you can do it. I'm going to give you three scenarios. One, if you're a regular listener, you've heard me talk about before. And that is if you go and you have a 401k where you work, or you go and open your own Roth IRA, odds are with the 401k, and absolutely you can do it with a Roth IRA, you're going to have a choice of a target retirement fund. You don't have to choose among the dozen or 15 or 20 choices of funds if all that just is hieroglyphics to you. Just put your money in the target retirement fund for the year closest to when you're going to retire, and you're done. And all your money in that Roth IRA or in that 401k goes in that target retirement fund. And then the, the company that provides that target retirement fund gets the mix of investments hopefully right based on how far you are from that target year when you're going to use your money. And the closer you get to the target year, the more overall conservative the investment choices become. So the only thing you have to do then is you just got to live on less than what you make and put the money in the fund, in the 401k or the Roth IRA. Right, let's say you're doing something where you're putting money aside and it's money not for retirement necessarily. It's money you may need in the next, let's say, um, five to 10 years. I'll use that as a window. There's something you can buy that people in the investment community are always making fun of, but it works. It's a very simple thing called a balanced fund. 
And most balanced funds, you just buy the one fund, and it's really good for that period of time that's less than ultra long-term investing, more than 10 years, but longer than when your money should be in savings, somewhere between five and 10 years. A balanced fund, and everybody sells them, it's generally 60% in stock type choices, 40% in bonds. Bonds are where you're lending money to people, kind of like being a bank lending money to them. So 60% in stocks, 40% in bonds. You just buy the one fund and you're set. The reason that's such a good choice for an investment window of five to 10 years is that a balanced fund doesn't go up as much as a pure stock fund in good years, but it loses a whole lot less in bad years for the stock market. And so when you move beyond a five-year window, your odds of it performing overall well for you over five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years is very good. And again, all you got to know is you buy the balance fund and hopefully you buy an ultra low cost one from one of my low cost providers, just like with the stuff I talked about with the target retirement fund. So those are the two easiest scenarios I know. Now, if you want to do more, you can get a little more complicated and use a handful of what are known as index funds. That's where instead of picking specific stocks, you just buy parts of the market. The U.S. stock market, which is a broad market index or total stock market index, is something you can buy. And then you buy one that's an international fund. And then maybe, depending on your situation, if you're uh, far from retirement, you could stop with those two. Or if you're closer to retirement or the need for the money, you could throw in a bond fund and have a mix of those three. And you could call it a day. If you're in a really high tax bracket, the bond fund might be a tax-free municipal bond fund. High tax bracket would be people who are earning several hundred thousand dollars a year or more. The reason I point out these three examples, a one-fund solution for a retirement account, a one-fund solution for an intermediate-term kind of cycle of needing to put money aside and hope it grows, or the third, starting to add more funds and more choices, is that the part of building an investment portfolio does not have to be complicated. And it can be done with a minimum of effort at extremely low cost, no commissions up front, extremely low expenses going on. So I know everybody in the industry wants you to feel like, poor little you, you can't do anything for yourself. And that is not true. Do not allow yourself to be intimidated. If even having said all that, you're still like freaked out and uncomfortable, there's an entire new area of service called robo-investing. And that I'll save for another time. Kristen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kristen. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. Your husband 
is looking to get a rock-solid credit record. Is that right? Well, he's got a long way to go, but um, together, that is exactly what we are trying to do. Long way to go. What's the history? He was in a motorcycle accident um, a little over several years ago, and at the time, he was uninsured. So he oh, I'm has so got... sorry. <laughs> how, how has his recovery been? Um, his recovery has been good. I mean, luckily, he was um, in his early mid-20s when the accident happened, so he had youth on his side. Um, but the bills mounted up. He ended up having to foreclose his home, um, oh. and... It, it just, it, it was a domino effect, really. So now we're, we're doing better. I mean, as, as far as our financials go, he's started a, a small towing company that he runs and I'm a hairstylist and I have excellent credit and we're really wanting to purchase a home, you know, possibly next year, maybe sometime in the near future. So we just want to know what the best route is to go to help clean up his credit. You know, do we consolidate? His medical bills? Do we work with the collection agencies? I, I, I just am not sure what the best course of action is. How many years ago was the motorcycle accident? The accident itself took place in February 2011. Um, and from what I can tell going through his records, um, things went into collections in 2012 and 2013. Okay, so the, the items, uh, it actually goes from when the original debts were incurred but those debts stay with him for roughly two more years. Okay. Because they stay in his life for seven years. Did anybody sue him and get a judgment no. against him for any of the medical debts? Not that I'm aware of. I haven't seen anything like that. Um, I mean, we still get notices from the collection agencies, but I have not seen or heard anything about anyone suing him. So the odds are probably likely that at this point, he's outside of what's known as statute of limitations, which means they, uh, in most states they wouldn't be able to sue him against any of those medical debts at this point. But as far as how they affect his credit, with those outstanding collections on his credit, the truth is he cannot qualify for a mortgage right now, likely. Gotcha. So we're going to talk options. What are the odds that you, with your great credit, can qualify for a mortgage. Do you have enough income that you can qualify for a mortgage for the price point house you're interested in? Last year, my income was fairly low. This year, um, business has been much better to me. And so after I file my taxes next year, the income for this year will look good in my favor. favor. But I was told before when I looked in the past, they, they look at your last two years of your, your income tax um, to determine what you qualify for. That depends so on the lender. Okay. And you, you are going to find that your straightest path to homeownership is going to be if you can qualify as the loan borrower. And, okay. But let's talk about him because his credit score number, do you know what it is right now? I just checked yesterday and it's like a 535. Okay. And he's got to be in the 600s to be able to qualify even with the most uh, lenient of lenders under the FHA loan program. So the, the, the foreclosure is going to hang there. That's going to be there for seven years as a reflection on the credit. But the medical bills are an interesting case because if he is able to pay the medical bills, 
or you reach a deal on those medical bills and then they report a zero balance, under the newest of the credit scoring models, the harm from those will disappear with the debts having been having gone from a balance to zero. How much in total are those medical bills that the collectors are after them for? At this point, what I've added up is about 54000 which is a lot less than what he initially owed. And I don't know if that's because the collection agencies are settling for less. Um, from the original bills that I saw, it was over 100000 And now when I add them up, it's, it's about 54000 um, which is still a lot of a lot of money. Um, I just want to help him start rebuilding his credit. Right. So if you want to help rebuild, it's a separate issue than the home ownership. Okay. And that is for you to join a credit union if you've not done so already. And okay. a number of credit unions have something that goes under the generic term fresh start program, where he can open a savings account at the credit union. And with that savings account in place, some may require a CD instead of a savings account, they'll issue them a low credit limit Visa or MasterCard. And at most credit unions, they'll report that as any old credit card to the credit bureaus, which will give them a straight line path to establishing a good current payment history with a credit card. Okay, wonderful. As far as the medical debts, with them being that large, yes, it really is something you're going to have to let the clock run. Should we just not do anything about them at this point and let them let let them just sit where they are and eventually? Because again, at seven years, at seven years, they have to go away. Okay. And the seven years is not from when the originally they were turned over to the collection agency. It's from when the bills were originally incurred at the time of the accident. Okay. And the great news, Kristen, is that uh, he has, and you're telling, made a good recovery from what could have been uh, a really bad result from that motorcycle accident. And as far as the finances, just as his health has healed with time, his finances will as well. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bill is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Bill. Uh, hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, Listen, Bill. Uh, I just need a little bit of advice, maybe some guidance. My wife and I, we've been married now for almost a year, and we're both, I wouldn't call us extreme savers, but it's something that's really high on our list of priorities. Uh, we recently built a new home. We do carry a mortgage on it. Uh, we put 100000 down, and we carry a mortgage of 137 
both of our cars are paid off. My wife participates in a 401k, and we both have Roth IRA. She funds hers a little more regularly than I do. But we've got about $200,000 sitting. And I guess, should we pay off the mortgage or put that money in the market? I guess I'm, we're well, at a loss. You know, since you are an extreme saver, you're already doing all the things you are. You have all that cash sitting. Live your life debt-free. Pay it off. You know, usually when I get questions from people, Bill, about, you know, accelerating paying off a mortgage, they're trying to get it done, it's making a choice not to invest or not to use retirement accounts or whatever, and the only, the only goal is paying off the mortgage, and that is false economics. In your case, you're doing all that stuff, and you still have a mountain of excess cash. Pay off that mortgage. I don't even care if the interest rate is low. Well, it's that, I guess that was our concern because we're just right at around 3% interest, and it's almost like free money. And I and love the, that, except the money you have sitting idle, you're earning less than 1% on it. Earning zero, got it. Yeah, so you're paying a multi-point spread. So the answer to you is different than what I'd normally give in this case because you're already doing so many things on the positive side of the ledger. And then the beauty is, what's your mortgage per month? That's about $1,200. So that's $1,200 every month. You can make sure you, from this point forward, you're fully funding your Roth, your dollar cost averaging into it, so you're uh, not worried about the market suddenly falling off a cliff or anything. I think it's a great, great, great situation well what what about the balance then of that two hundred thousand after we pay the uh, after we pay the mortgage off are either of you self-employed well i am i guess you could call it semi-self-employed i'm an independent contractor all right so as an independent contractor you can shove tremendous amounts of that additional excess cash into either a sep a simplified employee pension or you have no employees at all, you're just complete IC, you get a 1099 each year? Correct. You could do a, a SEP, or you could do something known as a solo 401k. And so you can put aside enormous amounts of money, and you can do a solo 401k now with all the ultra-low-cost companies. Paperwork is very simple, and you can go into any of the low-cost choices and you're able to, you can do either a solo Roth 401k or a solo regular 401k. Okay. I, and we were thinking about talking to a fee-only financial advisor. Is that something worth That would be great. I mean, you know, you have an embarrassment of success. you got money just, just growing. Yes, it would be very much to your advantage, particularly at 58, to start looking at how does the plan work when we decide to scale back work or not work at all and going that's, into that's, that totally debt free i love it okay that's our plan clark i'm a long-time listener and thank you for what you do thank you it's great to have you you're listening to the clark howard show thanks so much for listening today you know there's a giant team behind bringing you everything we do at team clark our podcast and radio show are produced by kim drobes joel larsgaard Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. My TV producer is Leah Dunn. Clark.com's made possible thanks to Krista DiBiaz, James DeGal, John Cress, Theo Timu, Michael Timmerman, Craig Johnson, Beth Marchinko, and Clara Bassanetto. 
parkdeals.com, where you can find the best deals from around the web. It's produced by Karis Brown, Laura Sayers, Sarah Jordan, and Damon Marley. You can sign up for our newsletters at clark.com. Thanks to Sally McDonald and our social media gurus are Chelsea Glass and Nicole Carroll. Our Off-Air Advice Center is run by Lori Silverman, Sarah Mobley, and Sue Gatliff. And their team's available to serve you over 40 hours each week at 404-892-8227. And this is a free service of Team Clark. Thanks for listening. Till next time.